I, I still have a distinct taste of it as a kid tasting earwax. Don't. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. It's not. Anything made by your ears is probably not good for your mouth. I well, feel like. you, you <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to Direct a Podcast, episode number nine. My name is Kurt Schneider. And I'm Keenan Wetzel. And as always, this podcast is sponsored by Eightfold Creative. Today we're going to be speaking with director and DP Ryan Booth. Ryan is a filmmaker that has developed his own very unique style over the years, and he has gained a pretty large following online, which I believe is a testament to how great his work really is. So without further ado, oh wait, you good, Keenan? Yeah, we can go ahead. You sure? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Okay, let's hear what Ryan has to say. Hey, Ryan, thanks for being on the podcast today. Of course, thanks for having me. Me and Keenan are both really big fans of your work. We've been kind of following you for a long time now, so it's uh, it's really an honor to have you on. So we're really looking forward to learning about the secrets behind what you do. So <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so I guess just to start it off, you know, I, I I know myself and I think Keenan too probably both discovered you as a DP. Um, is would you still primarily call yourself a DP, or do you think you're you know starting to transition into directing, or what? How does that? How do you find that balance there? Yeah, for sure. So that's that's there's two versions of answers to that question, um, which is basically in the commercial space. Um, I'm getting the impression, kind of the further I go along, that you can really be one or the other. Um, that um, you know, it is uh, to the kind of industry at large, they kind of uh, have capacity to view you as one thing. Um, and so I kind of came into filmmaking um, a little bit later and via kind of both audio and photography specifically. So DPing was kind of a natural way for me to get in because, um, you know, it was an extension of the photography work that I was doing. So I would say I spent the beginning kind of part of my career primarily as a DP. Um, and then in the last year, I've gotten an agent um, uh, who represents me as a director of photography and have gotten some some great work um, and have gotten to kind of continue to kind of progress as a DP, which is really cool. I think part of progressing as a DP is that I like um, I kind of I know what I'm good at, basically, like I know what kind of DP I am um, and I don't try and. I mean, I'm, I, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough basically to get up, to get put up for projects that like, um, you know, my skill set will uh, bring something to the table. So like, they're already kind of, I'm already kind of set up to win, which is great. Um, so I'm continuing to do that, especially as my DP work is getting more and more focused. Um, I kind of like only get called to do a certain kind of project. And fortunately, that's a project that gets, there, there are a lot of versions of that project out there today. So I do get mm-hmm. calls to DP, which is great. But I would say um, kind of more more in the background than kind of super publicly, but I am kind of transitioning into directing um, and not, not uh, on accident, like actively kind of uh, progressing and uh, trying to do more directing work. And I would say uh, the reason being that narrative work and scripted uh films and and just long form content in general is my kind of 
uh, ultimate goal. That's why, I mean, I got into this because I love movies. Um, I want to make movies. I want to be a part of making movies. Um, and I want to be a part of telling long form stories. Like I'm most compelled by, you know, half hour and above length projects, um, as opposed to 30 and 60 second projects, I would say. Um, not that the, that's not its own, like kind of very specific and interesting way of telling stories, but um, I'm kind of compelled by the long form stuff. And and uh, so that's kind of the thing that I'm pushing towards as a director, it's kind of um, long form projects. Uh, and that's coming through branded content work with production companies. And then also I wrote my, I wrote a short film that I shot this past summer that'll, um, uh, come out shortly, but it's really a proof of concept for what would my ultimately be my first feature. Um, and then I've, I did a pilot for a, um, a documentary kind of a cinematic documentary, uh, series, um, that's kind of working its way around, uh, as well. So there's kind of, I've got a lot of irons in the fire for kind of long form directing projects as well. So is, is there, um, at certain aspects that you enjoy more about directing versus um, DPing, you know, it, it sounds like you really enjoy obviously the the narrative storytelling of of directing. Um, but is, is there pros and cons, or, or you know, like that you've noticed as sure. you're going along? Yeah, I mean, I would say like I love DPing commercials, um, which might sound weird, but I think there's commercials these days. There, people do are doing some really amazing. Uh, work. Some of my favorite directors are, you know, make a living uh, doing commercials. And so I think um, a lot of times commercials have budget enough that the jobs can be kind of complex and, and interesting, um, whether that be time or kind of equipment. Um, you know, um, I, I think technical challenge and creative challenge of like shooting commercials as a DP is quite fun and interesting. I, I'm mm -hmm. I, I love it. Like I leave tomorrow to go to San Francisco on a seven day commercial. Um, and it's going to be, I'm, I'm like really looking forward to it. Having great conversations with the director. Um, you know, we're doing some crazy stuff, which is rad. Um, so I, I love that aspect. I think for me, there's always, um, you know, my, I realized that I kind of wanted to push into directing when I realized that I was spending an enormous amount of my time reading um, both books and articles and going like, Oh my God, this could be an incredible film. Um, and so, and then would be spent, I'd like be on a jog or something, just thinking about how a particular story could be a film. Um, and that's, that's directing basically. Right. Um, and so I think like, I, I love both kind of aspects very much. Um, and I think that they really complement each other at this point, it can be scary to like, I guess, to, you know, not be hyper, hyper, super specifically focused. Like, you know, if you open the drawer and you need a knife uh, to cut a piece of fish, you grab a certain kind of knife to do that, you know? And so the idea that you might not be super, super specific or that you would direct MDP um, can feel a little scary sometimes, but um, I find that I'm, I'm a better DP because I direct. And I'm a better director because I know how to uh, DP. Like I know how to construct um, a story visually. I think those two things actually really complement each other. I, I love them for different reasons. So let's let's jump back a little bit. What um mm -hmm. what what's your background in film? Did you did you go to film school? 
I did not. Um, I went to, uh, I was a history major in college. Uh, and while I was, I interned one summer to at like a camp basically in Rand Sound, uh, very kind of randomly and met a guy there who had a recording studio. And I, I knew I wanted to do something quote unquote creative, uh, you know, music. I loved photography even back in the day. Um, I wrote a lot. I was an actor. Um, I acted in college as well. Just knew I wanted to do something kind of in the creative field. And he, he actually offered me an internship in his recording studio in Nashville. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's, that sounds great. So um, I actually started out as an audio engineer, did that for a few years. Um, and then was taking photos of the bands that were coming through the studio at the same time. And um and yeah, kind of did that for a number of years, uh, basically until the 5D came out. Um, and I bought the 5D as a still camera, um, but they they were they ran a contest uh, with Vimeo and Canon. It was kind of when Vince LaFerrey was doing all of the 5D stuff, and everybody was like, "Oh my God, this is like finally a video camera that's like cheap enough and looks good." And so um, they ran this contest that was encouraging still photographers like myself to kind of try out video. There was a brief window in time in which uh, everyone was kind of like, oh, if you can take a picture, you can make a movie. Um, and I think <laughs> a lot of photographers started shooting video and very quickly were like, oh my God, that's no, that's not the same. Um, and I had the exact opposite reaction, which was, oh, still photography is so small compared to filmmaking. And so um, anyway, I shot a little short film for this contest um, and ended up winning the contest. And the prize was that they brought all the winners out to Los Angeles. They gave us a few hundred thousand dollars and we made an eight, eight or nine minute short film. It was kind of the culmination of all of our other contest chapters, more or less. They stitched that together and then they um, it premiered at Sundance in 2011. And so um, I'd never seen both a proper set nor been to Sundance. And kind of that two month experience was like, I was totally completely hooked from there that's awesome um so i mean what what in, what inspires you you know or where do you where do you go for inspiration i you kind of made it sound like it comes to you at different times like you're on set but you mentioned reading as well yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm i i mean i i watch movies and television shows all the time uh, for sure always have um my i come like my family when i was growing up my mom and dad like had a massive collection of um of uh movies you know dvds and whatever and like every uh, yeah at least a couple times a week like even when i was all the way up through high school like um like we would eat dinner and then it was like either me and my brother my mom or dad would like it was our turn to go pick a movie to watch and we would like watch a movie almost every night and so um i mean like i come from a family of just like movie fans basically so i've always been a fan of films but i would say you know, for me, I'm, I'm a, like filmmaking is an expression of my like ability and interest and curious curiosity about the world around me. Um, I'm not like, I don't think I necessarily make films to make films or, or am doing this filmmaking thing because I like actually just really, really love like the process of making films to the exclusion of like my interest and involvement in the larger world around me. And so I think that's just kind of my particular way to process um, kind of, you know, life more or less. So I read a ton. 
Um, I go to museums, I get paintings. I'm, I'm hugely inspired by photography, specifically kind of the documentary, kind of the heyday of documentary photography, which would be like 50s and 60s, Life Magazine, um, the Magnum guys, uh, that kind of era of photography is like incredibly inspiring. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like voraciously uh, digesting the world around me through any number of mediums and um, find that to be quite inspiring in terms of how then it kind of gets, you know, messes around in there and then somehow comes out as a film concept. Cool, man. You know, and you kind of mentioned uh, inspiration. Um, now, are you someone that believes you need to be in New York or L.A. to get certain, you know, jobs and stuff like that? Or, I mean, where do you live? Do you do you stay in uh, New York or L.A.? Or do you find inspiration in different places? Because we're in Detroit and it's kind of its own unique kind of vibe mm. and yeah no man i think i don't think you have to live in new york or los angeles to do this um now uh you're catching me at a very interesting time i live in houston texas right now cool. have lived in houston texas for the last uh gosh eight or nine years i moved here from nashville after doing the studio stuff my we moved here because my wife got into grad school in the medical center in houston which is kind of its own thing basically in houston it's like uh, oil and gas and then medical industry and then support stuff from there. So like, you know, lawyers, uh, and doctors and yeah. scientists live in Houston. It's a very kind of like khaki pants town is, is what I've <laughs> now that, now, I mean, that's changed a lot in the last four or five years. Um, but it's definitely not a like filmmaking town by any means. And so I found that at the beginning of my career to actually be really beneficial because, uh, basically nobody cares what you do. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's not that constant, like need to kind of look over everybody's shoulder and be like, what are you working on? What are you working on? Um, there is this kind of uh, sense that like, cool, man, I don't really get what you do for a living, but like knock yourself out, um, <laughs> which I think is actually really helpful at the beginning of your career. Cause you just need to like, you just need to make a lot of things and, and as quickly as possible, you know? you're going to make a lot of crappy stuff before it gets good. And so I thought it was like really helpful actually at the beginning to be making my crappy stuff, uh, not publicly more or less. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say I'm at a point in my career right now where, um, I'm, I mean, like my house, I'm looking at it for sales. I'm and I, we're going to move to, we're actually in the process of moving to New York right now. So, um, I think for me, you know, I've been doing this for about six years now, and I have a pretty decent idea of what kind of I'm hoping to achieve and, and not necessarily the route in which I'll go, but I know kind of I have a pretty clear picture of what I'm hoping to achieve. And, and I think it's time, uh, you know, in my particular path, it's time to, it was time to either go to New York or Los Angeles, mm -hmm. if only as a public kind of expression to the people that I work with, the production companies, the agencies, um, you know, the kind of business side of filmmaking yeah. that I'm serious and like committed to the next step, step and next stage of my career. Mm -hmm. And so um, for me, that means, um, you know, going to have to go put in some time in, in, uh, in New York, basically, which I'm quite excited about. Um, but I don't think it's like a prerequisite to I mean, everybody's path is different. And, yeah. and I will never, ever, ever tell somebody like, if you don't move to New York or Los Angeles, like you'll never, it's not going to happen. I don't believe that. I believe that New York or Los Angeles um, are there for you 
if it works and if it's like the right fit for you and if you have a significant significant other and like me i've got kids so it's like a whole thing um it is not just like the be all end all like who knows man just pack up all your shit and move there and maybe Mm -hmm. it'll work out like i don't i don't believe in that i really don't yeah i I think a lot of people think that well it's not working out for me here so i'm just gonna move there and then it's all gonna work out and that's not the case for a lot of people yeah i I don't New York or los angeles solves your problems i think it amplifies them Mm -hmm. you know it's very expensive um i'm not like a guy who like i'm not a trust fund dude um I've like, I got to work to make a living. That means I got to take projects um, sometimes that are simply because I need to work, Um, you know? So I think New York and Los Angeles without kind of a, this is what I'm hoping to accomplish. And without that like clear realization that that is not going to solve any problems. um, It has to be a tool. I I view those Mm -hmm. cities as tools like uh, to be used at a certain time you know, to kind of help uh, propel the kind of work that you want to do. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a little, I, I keep saying, but I, I'm a little bit older. I got into filmmaking a little bit older and I've been working now for five or six years. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just now feeling like I'm capable slash confident enough that New York and LA is not going to change me as a person. You know, um, I feel like I was kind of uh, had some of my formative uh you know, filmmaking years away from those places where I feel a little bit more settled in like who I am and what I'm trying to say as a filmmaker and, Mm -hmm. and my style and and all of that stuff. Um, You know, where I'm going to, I'm going to go there now because it, it makes sense, but I'm not going there going like, Oh my gosh, what should I do? I, I, I don't know. Like maybe I'll just, make films like you guys make films you know or whatever like i yeah. kind of I know, I know what i do at this point for better or for worse and now it's just a matter of getting better myself and uh surrounding myself with people who will push me outside of kind of you know my director or dp friends well i'm so you, you talked about your your style how mm-hmm. how were you able to you know kind of figure that out because i know that again is something that's different for everybody what was what was figuring that out for you like? I mean, it's I, I think the raw materials of like developing your own style is just uh, an enormous amount of work, right? You just like got to mm-hmm. put a bunch of stuff out. And at the beginning, I feel like your stuff it's easier to uh, it's easier to reverse engineer someone's influences at the beginning of their career. I think there's times in which when I've, I've seen it before, I'll watch a piece and go, Oh, they watched this, this, and this, like, I can tell where they like got their idea from or their inspiration from, or, or who they're referencing. Like if, if someone can tell where your um, reference came from, if they go like, Oh yeah, it kind of looks like this. Um, I think that that's like a sure sign that you're, you're on the path, but you have not gotten to the point in which you have your own thing yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, when people are able to identify your work and, and as your work say like, Oh yeah, dude, I totally knew. Uh, if, for instance, I shot a commercial last year and I got a text message from somebody saying, Hey, have you seen this commercial? Like it totally looks like you, uh, it, it totally looks like you shot it. Like I, I just like couldn't help but think you shot it. I'm like, dude, I did shoot it. I huh. absolutely did. I just hadn't told anybody. That's you a know, huge compliment. And that's, that's like, that's not, that that doesn't mean that like, I'm a badass. It means that like, 
I am getting to the point where, you know, um, my work looks like my work and that's the goal. And I think, so part of it is just churning through a bunch of work. Um, and then the second part is like becoming more confident in what you like. So like, I like this particular kind of image, or I like this, the way this film makes me feel, or, you know, um, I don't know. I think like being confident in your, like liking what you like actually kind of, it sounds like a, you know, I don't know. It sounds like a, a too easy of an answer, but I think like being confident in what you like is actually a huge part of like developing your own voice. Um, you know, because ultimately you're going to be sitting at your computer or you're going to be on set looking at the monitor. And like, you, the only thing that you have to go on is like, I don't like that. Um, or ah, dude, I'm loving that. That's really great. Uh, regardless of what other people's opinion is like, um, you know, if you kind of look at the monitor and you're like, I freaking love this. It looks amazing. I'm, I'm so stoked right now. Then like proceed, you yeah. know? Um, and if, it, if it doesn't, if you don't like it, then like, you know, get better at figuring out how to get from not liking it to liking it. So your, your, your Instagram, your Vimeo, it all has kind of your, your style. We talked a little bit about that. What percentage mm -hmm. of work are you, do you think you're sharing on your, on your website and your Vimeo and how selective are you and what you actually put out into the world to kind of speak to your style? That's a good question. I think it goes through phases. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't put out something on Vimeo in quite some time and I've worked a lot. So, um, it's probably been, um, well, okay. So here, here's, so a lot of times what happens in commercial space specifically, and forgive me for saying this. And if you don't, or I mean, you probably, I'm, uh, you might already know. So forgive me for over explaining, no, absolutely. Um, but basically like a lot of times, especially in America, when you get hired to direct a commercial, um, and or, I mean, DP commercial, you're not in control of anything. But when you're directing a commercial, um, once the shoot is over, you more or less, like, a lot of times you'll get the first, you'll get to basically speak into the first rough cut. But once you've turned in the first rough cut, you're more or less not in control of the final product mm -hmm. uh, up until it releases. And not until you're with a production company in which they're, like, making space for you to get a director's cut. Um like, are you a lot of times the, the work you're showing or the work that like you do, you don't really get an opportunity to do a director's cut. And a lot of times the version that gets released, like you didn't have a lot to say in. And so there can be this lull between like moving up to kind of bigger commercial projects versus when you're kind of just starting to direct stuff in which you just don't really have time to like really sit down and like make a really great director's cut, which I would argue the majority of people's work that you see on Vimeo that you're like, oh my God, like that commercial, like I can't believe that Under Armour commercial is so good. It's probably the director's cut, honestly, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and so <clears throat> there's a long time where you don't really, like making a director's cut is kind of uh, tough, basically. So <laughs> Well, yeah, because you got to get it recolored, uh, remixed, recut, yeah, yeah, all exact, of that. Exactly so, right. It's, it's not expensive. like you've got the resources and time to do that. So a lot of times production companies build that build a director's cut into the budget or at least the time into the schedule for you to sit down and like work with the editor to get a, at least a halfway decent version of a director's cut. I just haven't had that opportunity yet. So a lot of the work I've done, um, I haven't necessarily shown, not because it's not good, but just because 
it it feels like the as it should it feels like the brand that i shot for instead of me you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um anyway all that to say uh but i mean dp work i share um a lot because at this point i you know i'm getting to work with really great directors and i feel like it, it looks like i shot it i feel very proud of the way it, it's come out most of the time and so i i will share a lot of dp work for sure the directing stuff i'm just having to get better at um navigating that idea through the entire uh process <laughs> yeah well so do you do you personally have representation or are you independent this time i'm independent at the moment um i'm kind of in negotiations or i'm in the process of kind of uh figuring out representation as a director at the moment but you do have representation as a dp correct i do yeah i've got i'm wrapped by a company called partos yep. uh and they're great they've been awesome um and very like accommodating to my kind of bizarre uh amount of irons in the fire in all different directions um you know i'm not i'm not like a kind of typical kind of dp client which is mm-hmm. uh website says cinematographer all they do is shoot um you know if they're ava- if they're uh, available on the schedule, then they're available on the schedule. Whereas with me, I've, I've got lots of things going in all different directions. <laughs> so, well, they've been great. Could you, could you speak to a little bit about the difference between approaching a project as a DP and approaching it as a director? Cause obviously I know you're, you know, as a, when you're directing a spot, you're involved much more intensely and much more early on, but can you speak to the, the differences you found in that? I mean, I would say the difference is just who are you dealing with primarily? Like, who are you selling your idea to, I think, is the the kind of primary difference between directing and DPing. So as a director, you're primarily selling that idea to the agency who's selling it to the client. You know, saying, like, this is what I'm – here's how I best – you've presented me with a creative problem, right? Like, we need to tell this story. Here's how I think would be best as using my kind of skills – and resources as a filmmaker. Um, this is how I, I best think that we can approach that. I best think we can approach that um, problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I would say as a DP, you're basically doing the exact same thing. You're just doing that to the direct with the director. The director comes to you and says, "Hey, I want to shoot this piece. This is what we're going for. Um, you know, and I want it to feel like this. And it, you know, um, here's kind of the scenario that I've." I've set up, like, how do you best think that we should approach that? Um, and it's your job as a DP at that moment to go, all right, using my kind of knowledge and skill set and uh, resources, this is how best I think we can solve that creative problem. So I don't, I actually think the structure of it is quite similar. Um, it's just who are you, like, who are you reporting to, you know, and, and where do your responsibilities, like, um, you know, where, where does the kind of like fuzzy line of whose job it is to do what? kind of a bleed from one job to the next, you know? So as a DP, do you get brought, do you ever get brought in before the bidding process by the director to kind of help with their their ideation? Yeah. No, almost never. Um, I'm, I'm as a DP, I'm called, they like the project I'm getting called now before the project awards. So I'll get put on hold. Um, mm-hmm. when they're like, Hey, this director's pitching on this, they want to put you on hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dates are maybe this, I don't know, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, that's about as far out as I get brought in at this point as a DP. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And a lot of times it's like projects awarded, they're choosing between a couple different DPs and, you know, they're putting my reels, they're cutting reels up and putting them, you know, up saying that I'd be a good fit for the job. And then usually I'll have a phone call with the director and kind of pitch my take on, you know, the visuals for the project. So there's almost always already a treatment, um, a loose kind of production plan uh, in place as well. So what's your process like when, to get to know a director? Like you get brought on a project and you're shooting in three days. Like, you know, do you have a, I mean, certainly it helps because you, you do direct things, but is there, is there a process that you try to, or at least figure it out, um, how to work quickly and figure out what he wants, you know, what, what the project is, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would say the, the, the main thing, like with any project, yeah, I mean, that's the thing about filmmaking that I find so compelling, interesting is the fact that like, it's such a team sport and, and like the kind of higher up you go, the more projects you get to work on. A lot of times that means there's more people around and more people you don't know, like when you get started on a project. And so um, it can be like super intimidating to walk into a room. And I mean, this happened a week and a half ago. I was doing a, I did a job for Sony and like, showed up we had a super early call time and like i'm kind of looking around i'm like oh my god there's like 40 people here and i don't know i only know my ac like i brought my acs and that's and i know the director and that's it you know um so it's like i think getting up to speed really quickly in terms of like i i can't stress enough that like being a, a like an easy person to hang out with like mm -hmm. will suit you best in your career like will suit you better in your career than you could ever imagine like being cool to hang out with just because a lot of times like you're going to end up in the weeds with everybody because every job like threatens to go off the rails at some point, no matter how good it is. Um, and so like when you kind of feel like, you know, that your like core teams kind of got your back um, and that you guys are all in it together, that's like a massive, massive thing. So a very roundabout answer to your question is um, I think it's just building trust as quickly as possible with the director that he knows that like, um, or she knows that like, Hey, I'm here. Like I am here to help translate what you have in your mind onto screen. That is the only reason I'm here. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not worried about the agency. I'm not worried about like the client because that's above my pay grade. I'm worried about you. Like, I want to make sure that like, I'm able to execute in the best way possible to help translate the vision you have in your mind. Um, and I think that like, communicating that from the beginning as clearly as possible um, and through those first interactions, especially on the scouts, on the conference calls, as you start leading up to the job in your interactions with the producers, um, you know, just really saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm here for the director. Like that's, that's whose back I've got. Um, I think is, is a, a real big key to like getting off on the right foot, mm -hmm. you know, getting, getting going on the right direction. So what would you say is your preference in directors that you work with? Do you like working with directors that are more so hands-on and they, you know, have big input in how things look visually, or do you prefer directors that are kind of more so focused on the story and kind of let you do your thing and you're kind of running the show when it comes to the camera and framing? Man, I'm, I'm, I work with both kinds. Um, I, I would say both have their strengths and advantages. They're, they're, uh, my buddy Ryan Connolly um, is a director that I love shooting for. And that guy has every moment, every angle, every camera movement, every shot in his film inside of his mind. Like it is planned out. Um, we are like, 
He's made the plan. We're there to execute the plan. And I actually find that to be quite compelling because um, I know that I don't have to help him with the story at all. He doesn't need that for me. Um, what he needs from me is for me to like make his ideas and his shots and his uh, concepts for like how the camera moves. He needs them to be better. You know, I need to bring something to the table that he hadn't thought of. And so that's kind of like a fun challenge on a set with, with someone who has a very specific way that they want to shoot something. But at the same time, like I work, I have another director, a friend of mine, Elliot Roush, who like is not very specific about the way things need to be constructed technically, but is incredibly specific about the emotional beats that he's going for in the films that he's making. And so it's entirely about my, my entire job and on that set is of course to make it look great, but that's like, that's everybody's job on any mm -hmm. set, but it's to like, how can I shoot this in a way that it really connects emotionally to what he's trying to accomplish? Um, and that's just a completely different way of going about things. Um, but they're both quite, I find them to be uh, both quite compelling ways to work. I mean, literally every director, you know, um, whether it's her first time to direct or she's been directing for forever, like every director is kind of a different experience, um, you know? So I think it's just kind of being comfortable with your role and, and talking about it ahead of time, how you can kind of best contribute. You, you, you briefly mentioned Elliot. Um, you shot a documentary with him uh, about The Revenant. Can you talk did, about that? Yeah. Can you talk about that experience a little bit? Um, I mean, yeah, sure. What, what, what specifically? Specifically, like how it was to film around a, a movie in prog production. So you guys are filming the filming of a movie, and also dealing with specifically a director who had such a um, specific vision. Yeah, I mean, I would say that. I mean, that feels like one of those projects that you like. You, you'll look like only the further I like get away from it, you know, the longer the time goes on, I look back on it, the, like the more significant it feels like it just was a really mm -hmm. like very particularly like meaningful time in my life. Um, I would say, honestly, that experience working with Elliot was, was uh, a, a key moment in me kind of like really, and our conversations kind of off you know, off production, because we basically were together more or less for six weeks, um, you know, off and on, like kind of bouncing around. And we spent the majority of time, we were on set a few times. Um, they had like a BTS guy who was like there every day of production, mm -hmm. um, who shot a lot of the like the movie stuff that you saw, the BTS stuff. Um, we spent the majority of our, we were on set a few times for sure while they were working, but we've spent the majority of our time um, shooting with the native actors kind of in their homes, right. basically. So like one guy lived in Vancouver, one guy was in South Dakota. Um, one guy was like a truck driver in Oklahoma. Um, and so we were kind of bouncing around and like experiencing, uh, kind of their lives through their perspectives in their hometown. So like they're kind of experiencing the film through their kind of regular lives, quote unquote. And so, um, so we spent a lot of time in the car, a lot of time on planes, a lot of time traveling. And I think it was just like a really particularly profound experience for me, not just like with Elliot, but also, of course, like seeing Alejandro and Chivo and these kind of master craftsmen, Jack Hitt, all these like master mm -hmm. craftsmen um, and seeing that like at the end of the day, they are quite they're compelled by 
um, meaningful stories and are working as hard as they can to um, use the craft, the accumulated experience and talent they have over you know decades to bring a meaningful story to life. I, I just I found that to be incredibly compelling and and um, and meaningful in in my life for sure. Um, it was a pretty it was obviously like a a pretty outstanding experience uh, and it was tough and it was tough like we didn't know we didn't have um you know we'd show up at a location having never seen it before mm-hmm. uh we didn't bring any lights with us because uh you know how could they shoot the revenant with no lights and us bring a bunch of lights on a little <laughs> documentary about the revenant so so it'd be like show up go okay i've never seen this before and elliot was very much like did not want to spend a lot of time like setting things up or basically letting the air out of the balloon once we would get somewhere. And so yeah. within five to 10 minutes, we're shooting, you know, wow. and he would just kind of, he would just kind of start talking, you know? Um, and it's like, okay, I guess we're interviewing now. And like, I would be trying to, <laughs> you know, figure out the angle still like whatever. So it was very, like, it was a very, it was like, it was just like a six week long fire drill. Um, and I'm very proud you know, of that project. I mean, it's talk about like nerve wracking to know that you're like your footage has to cut in with Chivo's footage. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's like, that'll keep you up at night for sure. <laughs> was, was that funded by the Revenant? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a, like a studio project. So we had the 20th century Fox like logo at the front of that project, which was pretty surreal. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Understatement mm-hmm. of the year. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, pretty awesome. So I guess, you know, getting towards the end here and you kind of already touched on this, but um, you know, I guess what, what would you say, what would you say is your ultimate goal? You kind of talked on, you know, features and, and the long form, but do you have any, anything specifically beyond that? Well, no, I mean, I would say the, the broad kind of goal for me is that like, I think this particular form of storytelling is, is quite compelling and profound. It's worth my time, worth my effort, worth like putting in time to get, to get good at it. Um, I think that's what I, I mean, I've found the thing I want to do basically for the rest of my career. And so I think that it's very possible that the way that we tell stories, the way that we consume stories, the way that we kind of um, watch uh, may change over time. So who knows? Like, I don't know what the future of long form or the future of movies or, or any of that means, but I do know that like, I want to be part of like creating meaningful experiences through, um, you know, through this medium, through, through film and television. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I would say for me, scripted stuff, uh, kind of fully constructing a world um, is, is kind of my ultimate goal. Um, I think there's just something that feels so fully engaging about the process of making I mean, I just, I shot my short, you know, back in beginning of September, late August, early September. And like, I've never been more tired after two days of work than directing that, um, you know, directing that short. And it was the best kind of like full body tired, you know, you just like feel like you put everything into it. I think that feeling like I put everything into this piece of work, um, regardless of the outcome is my kind of long-term creative goal. Um, I would love to continue down the path, getting better and better at it uh, and getting better and bigger opportunities to do that. 
um, the Amy Winehouse documentary. I don't know if you've seen the Amy Winehouse documentary, which is just a tragic mm-hmm. story. Um, yep. But there was one moment in it that I, I found to be quite profound, which was uh, somebody was asking her, like, what her definition of success was. And she was like, it's not money. It's not fame. It's that I could work with anybody that I want to work with. Um, and I think that that, like, you know, I think for me, that's one of my long-term goals as well is to, to work with the best actors, the best production designers, the best um, filmmakers, you know, the best, mm-hmm. put the best team together. And, and that's how you make like compelling and sustaining work, I think is, um, you know, continuing to push and use your craft and get to the point where you can work with, you know, all the people that like, um, you know, are so good at what they do. Absolutely. Well, you can you can check off working with the best directing podcast host. So you're uh, one well, step closer to that. One, yeah, two, yeah, of yeah, two. Of <laughs> two of two. Two of two. Two of two. Exactly yeah. right. <laughs> so yeah, we like to end, uh, Ryan, with just some advice you would have um, to aspiring filmmakers or what you you know tell your younger self. Um, yeah. So if you have any advice or things you've kind of learned along the years. Yeah, I mean, there's two things. Number one, I think the realization that nobody like is going to work harder on your kind of career. Nobody's going to put more time and effort into your work than you will ever. So you can get an agent, you can sign with a big production company, you can be repped by, you know, the biggest and the the best of whatever. It doesn't matter at the end of the day, it's still on you to make what to be continuing to get better to be making good work. Like there's just no substitute for you kind of being the kind of engine of your own progress. Um, So that's one piece of advice. And the second is don't wait around for somebody to give you permission to do some piece of work. Like I I cannot stress enough the importance of personal projects. Um, I think, you know, I mean, this short film for me is a personal project, you know, like went out and found the money to do it. Uh, We didn't, have a lot of it. So a lot of people were kind of working for not a lot. And I put everything I could into it to make it happen. And that is a different version of what I did at the very beginning of my career, which was this performance video project, which basically looked around. I looked around. I was like, I know musicians. I know a bunch of friends who have five Ds. Like, how can like, how can I get going on this filmmaking thing? Cause I'm not really sure where to get started. And so we invited musicians to come in and play, um, you know, do alternate performances of some of their songs. And it turned into this thing called Serial Box, which like got me jobs at VH1. And it got me to a DP job to DP my first feature that went to South by. So it was like all from like this kind of, I don't know what to do, but just do something um, type of attitude. So I think personal projects uh, are, can't, can't be understated. And then just knowing that you've got to, <laughs> nobody's going to do it for you. There's some awesome stuff there from Mr. Ryan Booth. Looking forward to seeing where his career takes him in the future. If you uh, would like to stay up to date with Ryan, which I highly recommend you do, you can find his work on his website at ryanbooth.net. That's R-Y-A-N-B-O-O-T-H.net. Or his Vimeo at vimeo.com slash ryanbooth. So thank you guys for tuning in this week. We've already got several more directors lined up to be in the podcast, so stay tuned because you're not going to want to miss these guys. We will see you guys next time with a new director and some new questions. Stay classy. Oh,